Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Stephanie Lahr, CIO and CMIO at Monument Health. In this segment, Dr. Lahr breaks down the four-phased approach her technology and informatics teams have adopted to guide their COVID-19 response. It includes keeping sick people out of hospitals, keeping well people home, protecting caregivers, and helping families remain connected. As much as 80% of patient information is unstructured and stored outside of an EMR, Highland Healthcare helps complete the patient record by consolidating and connecting this unstructured content to core clinical systems. With a full suite of content services and enterprise imaging solutions, Highland gives clinicians a single view of all documents and medical images associated with the patient via the EMR, enabling more informed health decisions and improving patient outcomes. Highland Healthcare. See your whole patient. Visit highlandhealthcare.com to learn more. Just wanted to touch base about what you guys are doing. I know that this is such an all-consuming thing right now, so I really wanted to get your perspective as a CIO and CMIO. Do you want to start by talking about what are like your really most immediate priorities right now as far as uh, the pandemic? Sure. So probably good to provide a little bit of context about where we are in the trajectory of, of cases, sure. etc. We still have a, a, a very small number of cases in our local area. We've had a couple of patients in the hospital, but as of right now, we don't have anyone in the hospital. We have a, a handful of patients that we're sort of managing through the community. And so really the place that we are at right now is preparing for what we think will be our curve um, and that ramping up and peak of that curve on a variety of different potential timelines, right, depending on which model you use. And so organizationally, we're working both internally as well as with the state and the other healthcare systems in our state to make sure that we're all sort of coordinating um, and preparing as much as we can in unison, knowing that it could impact different parts of the state and different areas of the state at different times or a little bit differently because of our geography, but still with that thought in mind of trying to focus on consistency across the state. So that means then for us, the first sort of element was trying to figure out different ways to do our current business so that we can continue to provide the care that patients need in maybe a new way. So for me, as the CIO and CMIO, I sort of developed a four-phase approach to help my technology teams and informatics teams understand the direction of where we were going. Our first goal, they were all little catchphrases, right? So keep sick people out is number one. Mm -hmm. Keep well people home is number two. Protect our physicians and caregivers is number three. And help our patients and families remain connected is number four. And so um, when I talk about, quote, keeping sick patients out, that, that's really a goal of how do we help those particularly potential COVID patients who are not in need of, of care that involves our physical settings, um, but may need mm. guidance, may need support, may need testing, do that in a, a safer way possible, both for them, as well as for the healthcare providers that are trying to provide that care. 
So one of the very first initiatives we took on were ways for them to be able to interact with us um, that didn't need to involve them coming to our campuses. So despite being IT, one of the first needs that we identified was we needed to have a nurse triage call center for our community so that people could call, ask questions about symptoms or exposures or things that they may have experienced and get advice as to whether or not they needed testing and then also whether or not they perhaps needed to have some escalation in that care either to a uh, provider outside of the scope of what the nurse would talk them through or potentially a a televisit or even an in-person visit. So on March 16th, we went from not having a nurse triage center at all to having a nurse triage 16 hours a day, um, manned and womaned almost exclusively initially by IT. I have nurses that work for me. I have doctors that work for me. And so we as doctors and nurses in IT stood up nurse triage. And within a day, we were taking 150 to 200 calls a day. And so I think this is a time, at least for me, where it doesn't really matter what hat you're wearing or what lane you're in specifically. We sometimes have to be crossing over and helping people in other lanes and wearing different hats than we might normally, as long as it's within the scope of your, you know, sort of knowledge and capacity. And and even that we might push a little bit because there's so much to be done. You can't just say, well, that's for nursing to figure out, or that's for the patient call center to figure out, or those kinds of things. We had a need. We saw a way to be able to staff it and manage it. And so we said, we're going to get it off the ground with this, and knowing that we'll be able to alter it over time and bring in other folks to be able to do that. And that's exactly what's happened. So we rolled that out. On the same day, we rolled out an online tool that was created by my staff that is basically an online symptom checker that allows a person to walk through a, a chatbot interaction and by answering some simple questions give you some advice. It's mostly targeted at helping people identify, do I need to talk to somebody more about this? Do I, do I need to potentially be seeking care? Do I perhaps need to be getting tested, go to the emergency room, need to talk to a nurse, those kinds of things. So a person can answer the questions and then receive some advice, anything from you seem to be doing fine. Here's some online resources to, we think you should call one of the following numbers so that we can talk to you further about advancing your care. That was extremely well-received. We're seeing lots of activity on that. And you don't have to put in any information. You can do it 100 times a day if you wanted to, right? It's a no, um, no downside and no connection, right? Sometimes people just want to get a little bit of information and play things out a little bit, wondering, well, what if this happened and what if that happened? And they're welcome to do that. So those were the first two tools that we created. And then we started turning our focus to telemedicine. So a month ago, we did not really do hardly any ambulatory telemedicine for a couple of reasons. One, from a payment standpoint, we still have pretty strict rules within the state about who could be doing what from where. We definitely did not have an opportunity to do direct-to-consumer in the patient's home mm-hmm. telemedicine. And then suddenly, you know, all of those requirements were suspended. And so we opened the nurse triage on Monday 
On Tuesday afternoon, I told my team I want to make a decision. Actually, Tuesday morning, I said I want to make a decision about a video vendor because our EHR you know, needed the complement of a video vendor to be able to do that. And I think it was um, Wednesday was the day that they came out with the changes that, you know, you didn't have to have a HIPAA compliant tool. And that sort of took us off track for a moment just to say, hmm, are those tools that we should think about? We decided for our organization to go ahead and proceed with an enterprise tool that we would pay for and license that we would use consistently across the whole health system. I think a lot of the tools that are free are great. And I think if, if for you were an independent clinic of three or four doctors trying to figure out how to continue to do care and do telemedicine, FaceTime, Skype, all of those are great. But I think for a health system, we needed to have mm-hmm. a more programmatic approach. So yeah. we made a selection there. I signed the contract Wednesday night. Thursday afternoon, we started early piloting. Friday, we went live at our first clinic. The following week, we expanded across all of primary care. Last week, we expanded to all specialties. And now we're doing 600 plus telemed visits every day. Wow. Um, Yeah. And so to a number that was literally zero a month ago extremely well received both operationally and by patients. It does further drive home for me the need in our rural area for things like 5G. We are noticing we have a lot of patients who are not able to take full advantage of the video capabilities because they don't have the bandwidth to be able to accommodate that. You know, they may have a device that they could use, but they don't have the bandwidth. We also have a handful of folks that, for a variety of reasons, socioeconomic uh, constraints don't have a device. But typically speaking, we're at least able to do a telephone visit and, and again, just has been really successful and, and very well received. And so all of those things really have helped us do the first two. The patients that are sick and potentially contagious, we've given them a variety of options to be able to connect with us. We do drive-through testing when they call nurse triage and meet the requirements for testing. We have a drive-through location to minimize that contact. So through those options, helping people that might be sick figure out kind of how to get the care that they need with as little exposure to others as possible. And then keeping the well people home through the telemedicine opportunities. Telemedicine allows us both to potentially interact with patients who may be sick and having symptoms at home, but it also allows us to interact with our diabetic patients, our heart failure patients, our patients with high blood pressure, our patients with depression. They all still need their ongoing management and care. And to be honest, they may need us now more than ever because they may be concerned about keeping those things under good and tight control in a situation where they feel they're at risk for that contributing to illness if they were to get sick with COVID-19. And so they're, they're looking to us for that kind of guidance. And now we can do that through telemedicine options that then allows us to be able to reserve the appointments that people have to physically come in for, for those things that really need to be done in person. Then on our third priority of, of keeping our, our caregivers and our physicians safe, we are now exploring and, and piloting several different options in the hospital to allow our clinicians in the hospital who might be on the front line of taking care of the sickest patients to be able to interact with patients using telemedicine and video that then does two things. One, it limits and reduces the amount of personal protective equipment, which we all know is 
very scarce and we're all working really mm. hard to manage that supply chain element. And so we can limit that by having uh, video kinds of interactions with patients rather than having to go in the room each time. And then a variety of other lower tech options to, again, help minimize the amount of um, interactions that need to happen with a person physically going in the room, thereby reducing both the exposure as well as the need for PPE. And then we're also trying to focus on it. And honestly, this one is quite challenging just from the perspective of how to manage more the hardware than anything else for patients. You know, right now we're limiting the family members that can come in and visit a patient while they're in the hospital. In many cases, we're not allowing any visitors except in very special circumstances. And that's very difficult for a hospitalized patient and their family who are trying to keep up with how they're doing and they're worried about them and and the family wants to support, you know, the patient wants the support of their family. And so obviously if they have their own devices, we're fully supportive of that and provide a network for them to be able to do that and FaceTime and those kinds of things. But we're also exploring what are some of the options that we can do to help patients remain connected with their families and even just kind of remain connected in general. So we're exploring even things like, is there a way to have maybe through some of the video capabilities that we're having, instead of it being a formal visit, somebody could read to a patient or play a game with a patient via video or something like that. Because as people are starting to recover, they may still be sick enough to be in the hospital, but that doesn't mean that they aren't capable and really in need of personal interaction. And so what are the ways that we can do that as well? Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.